You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I guess our show with William Puckett last week was a return to the core of ufology. Physical objects doing physical things, being tracked on radar, trying to get physical evidence of what's going on. And William Puckett certainly knows his stuff. He's also an atmospheric scientist. So we just spent a few minutes in the first segment, which nobody complained about, surprise enough, to talk about climate change, because he's an expert. But I really like his presentation, and I hope we'll hear from him again in the future. He's one of the really rock-solid investigators that we're so happy to have. Yeah, it was interesting to hear how he would actually go out to visit at the sites, drag his equipment along on some of the cases he was in. He still gets sightings regularly, and he has agreed to come back on if uh, we want to get into doing this for uh, a weekly update on the latest UFO sightings and the stuff he's working on. Uh, So maybe the first 15 minutes of uh, after the Paracast, something like that. Yeah, what you'll have to do is subscribe to the Paracast Plus to hear the After the Paracast show. And we have a lot of fun with it. And a lot of times we extend the interviews to the main show. So to hear everything a guest might have to say, you have to get our extra show. Isn't that interesting? So just want to let you know about that. After the Paracast. Ooh, William Puckett. I do hope he gets back on. This week, we have a guest who's returning for her third appearance, Dr. Irina Scott. And she's got a new book out, and it's the longest title I've seen in a while, but it's really fascinating here because we get into, I guess, a bit of conspiracies there. Sacred Corridors, Secrets Behind the Real Project Blue Book, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Roswell, Battelle, Memory Metal, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, and UFO Cover-Ups. <sighs> you got to tell me, what this is a title. How does Dr. Hynek enter into all these? Well, it's actually Sacred, sacred Corridors when the rest of it, the subtitle. How Dr. Heineck entered into this is because I have some of his actual handwritten personal letters. And I think they tell more about him than um, most of his other writings that are scientific. Did, did you ever have the opportunity to meet Dr. Heineck? I met him and I've talked to him, but I didn't really know him. Um, the letters were to somebody else, one of his friends that she let me use. So last time we had you on, uh, you were telling us how you were working for a government agency on some satellite photos, and you came across a picture of what appeared to you to have been some sort of metallic-looking craft that was down in the atmosphere. Can you fill in some of the details about that for us again, like what agency you were working for and what capacity you were working in and about what time period that was? It was 1968. I was working for the Defense Intelligence Agency, and it's involved with UFOs now and known to be involved. I had a clearance above top secret that's, I think it's called sensitive compartment to information. It was called above top secret code word. And um, I was working, I had a, it was a PhD level job. And I was um, 
working in a section called Air Order of Battle. And in this, we use satellite photography. Um, and we worked over a particular area of the Earth looking down from the satellite. Um, and our job was to identify anything, any flying craft, such as airplanes or missiles or airplanes on the ground. It was um, in Soviet territory. And um, my supervisors turned in a report of a UFO on our film. Um, and it was on two different missions. A mission is when the satellite goes around the Earth twice, I mean once, 90 minutes. It was not exactly the same place, but they turned it in, and um, my one supervisor, I think was a GS-14, he was real high, and these their superiors rejected it and said nothing was there and it was a spot on the film. This gave me the impression that there's that there's more going on in the DIA than um, they talked about because it was a real object. It wasn't a, a spot on the film, and it was on two different missions. So, and that some, and that's something that you could plainly see with your own eyes looking at the film. So it's not like you could misinterpret it or you're getting it secondhand. You were right there examining this. What I imagine it would have been classified footage at the time. It's classi- It's still classified. I asked somebody last year that knew about it. And he said the photography is still classified, that type of photography. I mean, I suppose they take some out and make it public, but in general, it's still classified. But yeah, you could you could definitely see it, and I reproduced it so that the two images were about the same size, and I could see it in stereo too. That must have been really fascinating. Now, now before that happened, did you have an interest in UFOs, or was this kind of what got you into it? No, uh, I uh, my sister some UFO type events in our lives ever since we were kids. And I, of course, didn't go around talking about when I worked at the DIA, but later I came out of the closet and talked about the experiences we had and wrote about them too. In fact, one experience was kind of why I found out about it because they had turned the report in before I entered their section not too long before. And my sister and I had had a sighting, and I didn't go around the DIA saying, hey, I see UFOs, because I had a high clearance, and I wanted to keep my job. But I did mention it, and I did mention, you know, just the general subject, and that's how I found out about the sighting that they reported. And did you have any rank within the military at this time, or were you a civilian contractor that was given a clearance? I was working for the Defense Intelligence Agency, working directly for them. And I was a GS-11, which is PhD level position. But you weren't like uh, given a military rank, like say major or captain or something like that, 
Like you didn't no, enter you... into service with the military to do this. This was a, a separate civilian position that they gave you a special clearance for, if I understand you correctly. Yeah. Um, I had started out in cartography as a physical scientist cartographer and then transferred to the DIA. I'd worked for the mapping for um the Defense Mapping Agency, the Aerospace Center, and then transferred to the DIA. And I was working under the DIA. I wasn't working under a contract or anything. I was working directly for him. But the DIA um, was sort of a merger of the Air Force and the Army and the Navy, all three plus civilians. And um, one of my supervisors was a GS-11 for the DIA. I mean, GS-14. And the other was a Air Force Major. Let's do our break here, guys, because we got a lot to cover here about what's going on with UFOs and some government stuff going on there. Our guest for our third appearance, Dr. Irina Scott. As we point out here, so there's no confusion, the main title of the book is Sacred Corridors, and all the rest is the subtitle, which takes about three pages. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so we just wanted to clarify that. It's a very, very long title, which is fine. You have to do what is necessary to properly reflect the contents. A lot more to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. The reviews for Extendivite are amazing. Here are some from Amazon. September 2018. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I've been using Extendivite for many years now. May 2018. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. March 2018. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. I'm quite happy about it. February 2018. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. 
Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Hey folks, Tom D for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I kind of had to interrupt you to take care of a piece of business in the last discussion. Can we continue where we left off? Yes. That's really interesting, Irina. Uh, So the Defense Intelligence Agency, that turns out to be the same agency that was behind this Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program that we heard about, uh, was it back in 2000, late 2017? Yes, it is. At the time I worked for, I didn't pay attention to UFOs, although I should have. I mean, I had an experience right before then, a real big experience, but I didn't think too much about him. And and I didn't realize the DIA had anything to do with UFOs. But when I started writing my, my other books last year, I discovered that it was pretty involved with UFOs, and not only through the ATIP, but also the Black Vault has said that maybe the DIA was what was collecting UFO information after Project Blue Book ceased. So what were uh, some of your experiences that you had when you were younger, but, and about how old were you when you had them? My sister and I started out when we were kind of young, and we had a pretty unusual um, experience because there's a book by Jenny Randall's called Star Children, and in it she talks about how sometimes very young children will have experience with small ufos and then later they get older and have repeat experiences and with larger ones and this usually just happens to one person like a number of abduction stories and different things have told about 
that they saw a small UFO when they were younger and then had repeat sightings. Well, my sister and I were really, and we may be the only people in the world that did it, but we had an experience when we were young together and an experience when we were older. And one of those experiences was why I was working for the DIA. But when we were young, she doesn't think she was in school yet. And she might have been about four. And I might have been about six. I'm not sure whether I was in school or not. So I'm not too sure of the age. And she was pretty sure she wasn't in school yet. We lived on an isolated farm along a country road. And the country road was gravel, sort of a cart track with grass growing up the center and we were some distance apart from the other houses so you couldn't see the neighboring houses it was pretty primitive and we were sleeping in an upstairs room and it was an attic room with walls that came together at the ceiling about three feet apart and it was a clear night and we remember it pretty well and so did everybody in the family too so i didn't have a when i got into investigating UFOs, I didn't have any trouble finding some other people that remembered us telling about it. My sister, of course, remembered it too. But we were, it was dark, and we were sleeping upstairs in the room. And I woke up, and there was this little thing flying around the room. It looked like a hot, a piece of hot metal. And it didn't blink or anything. It just flew around the room. It was before either one of us heard of UFOs or anything else like that. We were kind of poor and we just had a radio and my parents played particular channels on it. And anyway, it flew around the room and I noticed that it seemed to know where things were. It didn't just fly into a wall. It would go to a wall or a piece of furniture or something and turn about a foot before it got there. and it had a sort of a random motion around the room, like browsing or something. It would go up and down and back and forth and across and just browsed around the room. And it came close to both of us. And I didn't know she was awake, but she knew I was awake. Apparently I just woke up and the thing was there flying around. And I knew that this wasn't anything normal because normally you <laughs> throw a ball and it hits a wall. It hits the wall. It doesn't turn and avoid it. But this, avoided the furniture and flew around the room for it seemed like a while and anyway then it went to the south end of the room it, our room had one door and one window and the window was closed with a screen and the door was closed so it went up to the ceiling it flew up to the ceiling but didn't hit the ceiling it made a right hand turn and then it flew to the chandelier which is in the middle of the room and between the two walls that came together and without feeling anything or knowing, I don't know how it seemed to know where things were, but it did. It uh, began to just very smoothly circle the chandelier. And it circled for quite a while, like 20 times maybe or more. And it seemed to speed up. And then it just made a direct spiral, just a geometric spiral right down under the chandelier. And then suddenly my sister and I both became absolutely terrified, like you couldn't believe. We both began screaming and ran down the stairs and bumped into each other and fell down the stairs and ran to our parents. And they didn't believe us. We were terrified, but they still didn't believe us. That was our first experience. Wow. I have to say this because, you know, we, we do uh, get the skeptics who are going to say, well, 
How did you know it wasn't something like a firefly? It wasn't anything like a firefly. We were living out in the country and we had lots of experiences with fireflies because we caught them in jars and things. And a firefly, it doesn't stay on all the time. It blinks on and off. I mean, that's their chemical way they act. They can't stay on. This never blinked. It didn't look anything like a firefly. It looked like hot metal. It didn't look like a firefly. And it also didn't blink and it didn't take you know, the path like a firefly will blink and fly up or something. It didn't do anything like that. It was on steadily the whole time we watched it. That's pretty interesting. So you've had, you had experiences with fireflies and you used to catch them. So this obviously, you know, you were scared of it and didn't really think of trying to get a jar and catch it. I guess it, it really kind of disturbed you because it was so different is, is the impression I'm getting. Well, I had no idea what it was and it just seemed interesting. I mean, I didn't even think of fireflies because I knew what fireflies look like. And we used to go around catching when we were kids. And this was nothing like that. And I had no idea what it was. And at first I wasn't scared. And my sister wasn't either. And then just suddenly we both became terrified at the same time. Hmm. What brought that on? Just the, you know, it's rapid movement around it when it was doing that spiraling motion? Well, that's something I kind of wonder about now that I know more about it makes me wonder about mind control or something because we both apparently woke up at the same time with the thing in the room but neither one of us know why we woke up then i mean why would you just wake up we both woke up at the same time and things flying around the room but there wasn't any noise or anything and i don't know of any reason why we woke up and then suddenly we just became terrified at the same time even though we'd been watching it and it seemed like something was going on that <laughs> it was kind of mysterious but like, I didn't understand it, and I never have understood it. But that was our first experience. And later, I read Jenny Randall's writing that sometimes young kids see small objects like UFOs and then see larger ones later in life. And that was the only explanation I found because we didn't even know associate with UFOs. We've got... Irina Scott, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. The United States of Empire is a book that claims the United States is the empire of the world. George Washington had warned us against foreign wars. The United States of Empire shows that World Wars I and II left England broken. Its former colony, the U.S., had to save the empire. Was there ever a vote? Who do we fight for? The deep state began with World War I. The United States of Empire by James Dunn. Available at Amazon Books.
USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump's legal team is taking a public victory lap following the release of a redacted version of special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation report. It revealed politically damaging conduct by the president, but drew no conclusions of criminal behavior. The president is still tweeting angrily about what he says was an illegal hoax. Speaking in New Hampshire, Democratic presidential contender Elizabeth Warren says the Mueller report makes it clear we should begin impeachment proceedings. We cannot be an American that says it is okay for a president of the United States to try to block investigations into a foreign attack on our country or investigations into that president's own misbehavior. This is USA Radio News. Are you looking for senior care for your mom or dad but don't know where to start? Hi, I'm Jen London with The Place for Mom. Nobody knows your parent or loved one better than you, and nobody knows senior living better than the experts at A Place for Mom. They've helped thousands of families find the right place for their mom or dad. I was so glad that I called A Place for Mom. My advisor really listened and was truly my partner in finding senior care for my dad. She went out of her way to get to know him as a person and was always there whenever I had a question. The senior living advisors at A Place for Mom partner with thousands of families every month, listening and offering local knowledge and advice to help find the best senior living communities across the country. And it's a free service. Here's the number. Call A Place for Mom at 1-800-370-2715. There's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call today. Call A Place for Mom at 1-800-370-2715. That's 1-800-370-2715. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I have to tell you, listeners, long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I interviewed Jenny Randles. If I ever, ever find the tape, it was an old cassette tape, I'll transcribe it and publish it. Or maybe we'll have her what? back on the show. That would be cool. That would be great. Okay. So I have to say that really young people and children's accounts should be taken more seriously than they often are. Because children don't have a lot of preconceived notions about what things are or aren't. You know, if they go to their parents and they say, you know, I just 
saw something outside that, you know, looks very, very strange and very weird. You know, parents, I, I think they should really check it out because maybe there really is something that's out of the ordinary there. And it's not just their imagination. If it had happened to either one of us by ourselves, we would have just thought our parents would have said, well, you drained it. It didn't really happen. And that's what everybody would have said. Nobody would have said anything. But it happened to both of us. And so we both had another witness. And we weren't discussing it or anything until we started shrieking and ran out of the room. And so there were two things that happened to us. First of all, for some unknown reason, we began watching it. We woke up and began watching it. And then suddenly, for unknown reasons, we both became terrified at the same time. And so we both had another witness on all that. So years and years later, you have another experience, or did you? has your sister had another experience as well? Is this a, something you've both shared over the years, or can you tell us a little more about your second experience? Well, we both had experiences, but UFOs weren't something you went around talking about, and neither one of us said anything about it for years and years and years. And then when I was working for the DIA in this highly classified position, my sister and I together had another experience. And this was pretty wild. It was, I was working for the DIA in Washington, D.C., and she was at Drew University taking, in New Jersey taking postgraduate work. And we were both on the um, East Coast. And so we wanted to go up and see the New England states just for a vacation. It was nothing about UFOs. We weren't even thinking about UFOs. And so I uh, picked, I left about six o'clock in the morning. I picked up two DIA coworkers who wanted to see New York and took them up to my sister's dorm in um, Drew University and left them off and took some pictures. And then we drove up to Boston and we were planning to stay at Boston all night and see the sights of Boston. What we got there, when, it was 1968, July the 13th, 1968. And it was still daylight and everything. And so we decided to look around through the New England states. And we drove up Route 3 out of Boston into New Hampshire. And I later discovered that the road I was, we were on had been where part of the um, Betty and Barney Hill abduction had taken place. I think the tail end of it. But anyway, I mean, I didn't know that then, but it was just interesting. But I came back to Boston and drove into Boston, and we were looking for motels. We couldn't find anything. Everything was closed. And so we were leaving Boston, and there was an airport south of us. We were planning to go south and look for motels. There was a Norwood Memorial Airport, and we could watch planes come in from the east and turn on their landing lights and everything, see their wing lights and everything, and land. And below this, there was a white object, very, very white and bright with no airplane lights or anything. It, it was slowly blinking, but it was much slower than a strobe light. And we kept watching it, and my sister kept saying, this is really odd. 
And I kept, I was a scientist, and I kept saying, oh, it's a helicopter blinking its landing lights. And I never saw anything like that, but I just thought uh, it needed an explanation, so I gave one. And then we both confessed to each other that we'd seen UFOs before. And I also said maybe that thing we saw, you know, when we were kids was a UFO. And so we kept watching it and driving along. And she kept insisting that it was very, very strange. And she said it would um, disappear from one place and appear someplace else sometimes. And I was driving, so I didn't pay too much attention. I thought she just flipped her lid. And um, we got off the outer belt and started out on Route 95, which is the um, north-south main freeway along the coast. And there was a woods. We The freeway went through a woods. And about 50 feet to the west of the car, I saw this thing that looked like a basketball. It looked like a see-through basketball. And inside was this light, and it was going to a spectrum like shades of blue and shades of red. And it just kept going through the spectrum. And then the inside of our car lit up in green. And I was, I had no idea what was going on. And I looked around, and I couldn't see a green anywhere except in the car. And I couldn't figure out why the car was lit up in green. And I couldn't, you know, I thought there must be a beam from someplace, but I couldn't see a beam or anything. It, the only thing I saw was this fun-looking sphere. And so, anyway, then the green went out on the car, and my sister and I resumed arguing about what we were seeing. And I told her that that object couldn't be a UFO because if it was, all the police and the fire departments and everything else and the reporters would be out watching it. And so, anyway, I had a camera in my car, but I never even thought, a high, you know, with high-speed film for that day and age, but I never thought of loading it because I just thought she was crazy. And I wasn't watching it. it you couldn't help but notice it, but I wasn't watching it very much because I was driving. And uh, we continued, and finally she started screaming at me to stop because it was going to go over the road. And so... Anyway, I decided to stop, and I pointed my hand out the window, and I was going to say, see, it's a helicopter. And way off, I saw a, something that looked like a shooting star, and then the thing came over the trees real close and low. And at that point, I knew she was right, and I was wrong. And she said about that time, I didn't know it until I read her report years later, we um, made independent reports when we decided to report the whole thing many years later. And um, she said that when we first saw it, that it had shown a light down and lit up the inside of the car. Well, I was uh, looking toward it from the window, and she would see the inside of the car, so maybe that's why I didn't see it. But anyway, it was a big thing and very close, and you could see what looked like seven windows. And it was nothing like a blimp. Well, um, just uh, just a little earlier, you were saying it looked like sort of like an illuminated translucent basketball. Was it still a sphere-shaped thing, or was it more? Was it a different shape now that you saw it over the trees? Well, this was a different thing. We, the oh, okay. Thing, to be 
ground and it seemed to just be there right and it wasn't the same thing as what we were the big um white thing we were watching okay thanks for clarifying yeah. that there and yeah. Uh, yeah please continue sorry and anyway um we were used to seeing blimps because we grew up on a farm and the farm had a freeway through it and blimps often followed the freeway and so i've got a lot of videos even on youtube of blimps that have their sides lit up and things and we were familiar with what those things look like and let's do our break here like Let, guys let's do our break here and then we'll continue with dr irena scott and we got gene steinberg j randall murphy meaning you're in the paracast thank you for listening to gcn Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. 
You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're back with Irina, Gene, and Randall. Randall? Okay, so we've got this uh, large object that you were saying had, uh, did you say seven windows or something like that in it? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, and so so bigger than a car, or it looked like it was at least car size or larger, and it was so close that you could see it real plain, and you could definitely see seven windows with the spaces in between. And we discussed where they were looked like panels or windows, and we both thought they were windows, and we both thought they were we were looking inside of it. But the first three blinked separately from the last four. It was going through this sort of a pattern of the first three would blink twice, and then the last four would blink once or twice, and then everything, all seven would blink once, and then it would go through the same thing. I forget exactly the pattern, but it was nothing like a blimp. It was totally soundless, and you could see airplanes up above it and hear the airplanes. This didn't make a sound, and it went slowly over. And I had a cam, a Polaroid camera in my, in the back of the car, and high-speed film, three thousand ASA, in the trunk. And so I got the camera out. And it takes a while to load a cam, a Polaroid camera. It's hard to load. The whole thing's mechanical, and you have to clean the rollers and stuff like that. But anyway, I was busy loading the camera while trying to watch it, and she was just watching it. And what happened was. A truck driver parked in front of us and came over, and he was standing sort of beside me. And I was just ready to take the picture when he came, and he asked what we were doing. And so we pointed at it, and he was a man and everything. We weren't; we were women. And so I didn't say UFO or anything weird. I just said I pretended like it was an airplane. Just pointed at it and said, "Oh, we're watching that. What is it?" And he turned around, he just rotated around the exact opposite direction, looked in the same altitude and said, I don't see anything. And then he turned around, faced me again. And I was getting pretty nervous. And then he did the same thing again. He asked, what are you doing? And we pointed again. He turned around, looked in the opposite direction and said, I don't see anything. And then he turned back around 
and faced me and pointed to his head, which I interpreted as he was telling me I'm crazy. But we were both seeing it and we were both discussing it with each other. And so that's pretty weird. That's even weirder than the thing that you're seeing almost. It's like, was this guy even like for real or what? I mean, it's just, that's the I, kind of spooky in a way. It was real spooky. My sister and I filled out separate reports years later. I had taken notes just immediately after it happened, but she did later. But anyway, she said that while I was talking to him, that she thought the object had just sort of got to another place. And I didn't notice that. But anyway, I had my camera loaded then. When it happened, I thought, oh, I'm going to get a picture of the inside of the UFO. You could see, you know, what looked like the inside of it. And I thought this would be amazing. It'll be the only picture in the world of that and things. We've been talking about why couldn't we see pilots or furniture or anything? We didn't know. But I still, it looked like the whole walls just glowed. And I had my camera ready, but it was high-speed film. And I was by the freeway. And I was afraid I'd get lens flares in my photograph. And so there was a hill on one side. And I decided to run up the hill to get off the freeway. And my sister and I argued a little bit because she said I was going to run toward the object. And she said she was scared for me to do that. But I wanted her to guard the car because I was afraid the truck driver might try to take over our car or something. And we argued. And then finally, I ran up the hill by myself and took pictures and came back with the Polaroid. You have to coat them and things. So I did that. Then the object had flown over to the airport and it was circling the airport and it was going through this circling motion where it just kept circling and it would blink its lights on in about two different places in the circle. And then it'd go so fast you couldn't see it in half a circle and come back and it was just this pattern. That was going through. That is really interesting. So now when you developed or you, the film developed itself being Polaroid, could you actually see it on the film then? I had one picture turn out and I'll get to that later. Anyway, I, we didn't know what direction the thing would be going after that. And so I thought it, it had been going South, but for some reason I thought it was going to go North. And so I decided to turn my car around at the next interchange. And so I got back on the freeway. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, so you left the freaky truck truck driver. but No, no. He oh. stayed and watched this the whole time. And then when I got on the, back on the freeway, he began to follow us and he began to chase us. And he got right on my bumper and flashed his bright lights right into my mirror so that I couldn't see a thing. And wow. he stayed at my bumper. I changed lanes. He changed lanes. If I slowed down, speeded up, so did he. And I thought we were going to get killed. And I didn't know what to do because I was afraid he'd knock us off the road or something. And I couldn't see. I was blinded. And so I floored it. And he was a big truck, but he just kept on following right behind me. And so I decided what I'd do was to get to an intersection and then swerve off from the left-hand lane, which she wouldn't expect. And this was very dangerous because I couldn't see behind me. If a car had been coming from behind us faster, we'd been, you know, had a crash or something. But I did it, and we survived. You lost and, him? Yeah. 
Uh, I wouldn't have been able to identify his truck again anyway, but as far as I know, I lost him. This sounds like and, something that belongs in an episode of this new Project Blue Book that they've got on. It's quite exciting. I, I was expecting this to be a much drier conversation, so this is quite fabulous. Did you continue on to try to track this object down then? Yeah, we came up the other direction, then we were going north, and we came to where it was circling, and it was still circling in the airport. But about the time we got there, it began to go to the northwest, and so I continued up. I went by the thing that was, it wasn't, I must not have been on the ground, but it looked like it was close to I went by the thing that had the different colors, and the car, the inside of the car lit up in green again. Wow. And then, yeah. And then I followed it, and it was just going northwest, and the roads went north and south and east and west, so it was hard to follow. And I finally wound up, after some time, on this really beat-up gravel road with houses a long ways away from each other and bumps and everything. And it was just going a little bit faster than my car would go. Sorry for jumping in, but by now you would have been away from the airport then. Yeah. Okay. And. So I followed it, but I couldn't catch it, and I couldn't get closer, and I was tearing up my car. And so finally I just turned around, and we couldn't find any motels. And so we drove all the way back to New Jersey to our dormitory, and we got there about 6 o'clock at night, I mean in the morning. And I slept for a while, and then I waited for the people I was supposed to take back to the Washington and didn't find them and started kind of late and back and got back to Washington to my apartment. And then I had a poltergeist experience there. And so. Wow. Okay. That is really interesting because we've been having some paranormal investigators on. And one of the things we ask them is if they think that there's a connection between paranormal activity like poltergeist and the UFO phenomenon. So that's fabulous. This this is just wonderful. So what happened well, with that then? At the time, I'd never heard of poltergeist, and I had no idea what was going on. I went back to my apartment, and it was late, so I went to bed, and I started hearing somebody walking in my apartment, and there was a little bit of light from a street light, but I couldn't see anybody. And it was like a man with shoes on that was, he'd take a few steps and then stop. And then he'd be someplace else and take a few steps. And I never, never heard anything like that before. And when I heard it close to my bed, I'd reach for it, but I couldn't touch anything. And I couldn't see anything. And I was terrified that I went to sleep anyway. And then my alarm went off. Like I think it was one thirty or something. And I had this alarm with a broken stem, and it was real hard to set. But anyway, it was reset at like one thirty, And I got up, and I started making breakfast, and I realized it was dark. And I looked, and it was set at one thirty, And so I was scared to death. I went back to sleep. Our sponsors would be scared to death if we don't <laughs> give them some time. I, that was a bad one, right? Irina, Gene, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercials. Just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're going to finish with this, and then, folks, we're going to talk very much about that book. I think each subtitle could make a show. Let's go on. Well, this is absolutely riveting in terms of a story. Uh, We've heard all of these types of things before in the past, how UFOs change color, go through these spectrums, and uh, that there's these sometimes strange people that show up around the time of UFO sightings. And now you're experiencing just after this, uh, some sort of what you think is a poltergeist activity, and it sounds like maybe some missing time, too. Please uh, continue. We might have had missing time. And then, anyway, the alarm kept going off. It went off at 2.30 and 3.30 and 4.30 and I think 5.30. I didn't know what poltergeists were, and I was, had no idea what was going on. I'd never heard of poltergeist. I thought it had gone insane. And I was sitting on my bed thinking, what will I do at work? Because if I was insane, I, you know, I'd lose my job with that type of security clearance. And so suddenly my toothbrush just flung across the room and hit the wall. And I had been scared to death about everything that was happening. And then I was also scared I was going to lose my job if I went to work and I was insane. But everything went back to normal. And I went to work that day. And I came back and I made 
real good notes about everything because I couldn't report it then on account of my job. But I planned to report sometimes, so I took the good notes. But then also I had taken a picture. And the picture didn't turn out as expected. I was working in photogrammetry and photo interpretation at work, and so I was a professional. And I had all kinds of experience that sent me to a lot of schools and different things like that, and I was PhD-level work. And so anyway, I was capable of analyzing the picture. And when I took the picture, there was one object that was blinking. And I was used to using the Polaroid camera for night exposures, and I knew I needed time exposure to try to get the picture. And so I had taken the time exposure. And what I should have had was um, blinks of the light going across the time exposure. And I did. But the um, blinks of light were composed of two traces instead of one, and I just saw one. And so anyway, I asked some people, and they said, um, you photographed two lights. And then I figured out that one of the lights on the photograph was one I didn't see. And so I contacted the Polaroid company, and they said that at some particular wavelengths that the Polaroid would take pictures of um, lights that were invisible to the human eye. Like ultraviolet or something like that, or yeah. infrared. Okay. Yeah, it was in, yeah, it was in the ultraviolet range. And so anyway, I was in science, and I wrote it up and got it published in a peer-reviewed scientific paper that this object had a light that wasn't in the visible range, and due to the, some characteristics that showed that it might have been a laser light. Oh, anyway, okay. In my book, I speculated that maybe some UFOs used lasers to make images and things. But anyway, it looked like, from what I did, it looked like it had a light that wasn't in the visible range. So that was interesting and useful, too. So that was my story. Well, that's but, fabulous. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. Um, it's... Uh, there, there's all kinds of little things we could get into there, but um, maybe it's time for us to to move on and talk a little bit more about your new book, Sacred Corridors, and maybe how some of that ties maybe into some of your experiences as well. Uh-huh. Um, so what was your inspiration for Sacred Corridors? Well, my inspiration, I've written three books, and this was the last one. Uh, my inspiration was is that later after all that and having sightings and everything, I joined UFO groups and I joined um, a local one, which later became a part of MUFON and was the editor of their newsletter and went out and investigated and wrote things up. I also joined MUFON and for a while I was on the board of directors um, as a director of publications. And so I was writing and things like that. And after so much writing and <laughs> having things written up, I decided that things look like a book. And so I've I published one um, a couple of years ago and another one last year. And then this one this year was what 
caused me to write the books. Now, it goes back and deals with some of the early United States Air Force official projects that investigated UFOs, and in particular, Project Blue Book. So maybe you can start there and and tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, It's called Sacred Corridors. And this is because I worked in some of the places that the UFO enters such as where portions of Project Blue Book took place. And so I actually did walk in the corridors where some of the researchers and um, some of the research was done. And I also knew some of the researchers and talked to them. So that's why I call it Sacred Corridors. Um, I'd worked for the DIA. I had also worked for Battelle Memorial Institute, which did a part of the Blue Book study. And I'd also been sent for work-related reasons to Wright-Patterson. And I'd seen the um, the secured parts of Wright-Patterson so that um, I had experience that differed from most ufologists because I don't think uh, Wright-Patterson, for example, most of it's really highly secured with chain link fences and secured gates and you can't get in. And so very, very few ufologists have ever been inside the security of Wright Patterson, although that's where the um, Project Blue Book took place there in um, Battelle Memorial Institute. And so I had actually been in there and I, um, there's a lot of stories connecting Wright Patterson with UFOs, such as uh, it's sort of the UFO mecca. It's where um, there's reports that the Roswell debris went, like bodies and debris. And it's also where Project Blue Book took place. And so it's highly connected with UFOs. And so the first part of my book, I just um, talked about some of the secured. places I've been, and um, there's informant stories about um, Wright-Patterson and UFOs, such as the the Roswell debris went there in Hangar 18, and um, different things like that, plus Project Blue Book. And so um, I had seen some of the things that reported their stories about underground vaults and crypts and things and tunnels where this debris of Roswell or bodies and things are buried. And I had been in some of these secret areas. I hadn't seen any debris or bodies, but um, I collected some evidence for what um, uh, to compare the informant stories with. Let's break here. It's a good time. I have a few questions to ask you about what you might have seen there. We have Dr. Irina Scott. The book is Sacred Corridors. And the people asking her questions, Gene Steinberg and J. Randall Murphy. We've got more to come. It's only the beginning, folks. You're in the Paracast.
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Many people believe they don't control their own destiny because they haven't chosen to take the first step towards the life they've always dreamed of. Let them continue just getting by while you make the choice to do something about your future. Imagine working from home, earning the income you deserve. Start small or dream big. Work part-time or full-time. You choose the pace. Just visit startlivingyoung.com. That's startlivingyoung.com. And click on the Be Your Own Boss tab. Discover Juness, a state-of-the-art global health products company that spent five years on the Inc. 5,000 fastest-growing private companies in America list with over a billion a year in sales. They'll provide all the tools you need to thrive and succeed. And you'll be blown away by how little it takes to get started. Visit StartLivingYoung.com today and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab at the top of the page. 2019 will be the year your new life begins. Your destiny. Destiny awaits at startlivingyoung.com. Many people believe they don't control their own destiny. Let them continue just getting by while you make the choice to do something about your future. Imagine working from home, earning the income you deserve. Just visit startlivingyoung.com and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab. Discover Juness, a state-of-the-art global health company with over a billion a year in sales. They'll provide all the tools you need to succeed. Visit startlivingyoung.com today and click on the Be Your Own Boss tab. Your destiny awaits at startlivingyoung.com. Hey everyone, Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662, or go to Proactive.com and enter promo code radio you heard right proactive md plus free shipping and a free gift the new charcoal pore cleansing brush you'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60-day money-back guarantee you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back call now 1-800-583-8662 that's 1-800-583-8662 or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio again go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Briefly, Dr. Scott, you had access to secret areas, which means you had a secret clearance, correct? No. I, for some reason, I've been sent uh, for some conferences and stuff that were on base in the secure areas, and so I was allowed in and had a pass. But also, at one time, I knew the archivist at Wright-Patterson, and he showed us around and escorted myself and someone else to some really secret areas. And so I had passes and permission, but I, I was with a person with the clearance. Um, and, okay, um, Wright-Patterson's kind of the mecca of UFO activities and includes Hangar 18, the Roswell debris, and it housed Project Blue Book. And for different reasons, I'd been inside the secured area. And one thing I investigated when I was there, um, I was there, I was inside the secure area a number of times. And one thing I investigated was the stories about the crypts and the vaults. And people said that um, in certain buildings that it contains debris of UFOs or UFOs or um, aliens and things like that. And I didn't see anything like that, but I did see evidence that there's underground vaults and things like that and in one case one of the buildings had a big ramp going into it and really big doors and there were informant stories that there were huge elevators in this building and that they went down to a big vault underground and so i took pictures of the ramp and the doors and there were like tanks outside it, like nitrogen tanks. It was called the um, avionics building. It was a big complex building and with towers. And I took pictures of that. And then also in the area north of it where people had reported that there were vaults. One time when I was there, I saw a whole lot of digging. And um, it was the digging type machines that dig deep, not just surface machines. And I took pictures of those and the dirt piles. And that was in the place where people had reported vaults. And so I thought possibly there was evidence of vaults there. I would think, though, that a civilian walking into there without a real top-secret clearance would not be allowed to see anything incriminating anything that would endanger national security, anything kept secret. Well, I had some experiences after that. Um, and I put it on YouTube too. Um, we had a local uh, publication from our UFO group. And I put some of these pictures in there. And it came when it came out, um, I still uh, uh, was living in the country 
and right after this was published, I had a <laughs> uh, supersonic jet dive bomb at my house. And I always it was the type that probably came from Wright Patterson. And I always wondered if something happened there. Um, I heard this jet coming. It was about three days after the thing was published with the pictures of Wright Patterson. And I heard this jet coming along the road and it just dive bombed at my house and I heard it. I didn't have any film ready or anything, but um, I lived near a recreation area and there was a um, stunt pilot and this thing just dive bombed at my house and it was really, really loud and the house shook and everything else. And I ran out and got one picture and then I loaded my video camera and ran back out and it was still circling. I got a picture. It was a T-38, which is um, a supersonic trainer. And back in those days, they were all owned by the military. And I think the only ones in Ohio were um, at Wright-Patterson. There was no um, air show going on. And um, it circled for a while and I got a good picture of it. And then I, um, but I hadn't been able to get the picture of it, sound of it bombing the house. But anyway, my neighbors were standing outside. And so I ran up to them and said, what happened? <laughs> One neighbor said, it dive bombed your house. She just said it right out. And so I asked them and they said, made the barn shake and everything else. And then it left. And I always wondered if <laughs> maybe... I had done something, I shouldn't have published the things or something, but nothing else happened. Well, but maybe anyway. maybe they were just doing a test flight or something. Do you think, really, was the implication is there, do you think at all somebody was trying to intimidate you? I don't know, because I live beside a recreation area, and there was a stunt pilot up at the same time, and they also have model airplanes. and the. Um, you wouldn't think it would be dive bombing anybody by a recreation area. And I got pictures of the jet circling while the stunt pilot was in the air. And that seemed like a real dangerous maneuver. And I, it went real low over my house and then came up. And so I don't know because it wouldn't be a, a good place to dive bomb anywhere. So I don't know. I just, got it all on film and put it on YouTube. <laughs> now, speaking of any intimidation, has anyone ever contacted you claiming to be from the government trying to intimidate you? And men in black, of course, any instances that you know about? No, um, but I, one reason I got to see parts of Robert Patterson was because I, uh, knew the archivist to Wright Patterson and he showed another person I all around Wright Patterson including the most classified places you could be and one of those places was um had you ever heard of the blue room Wright Patterson certainly heard the name it was where um Goldwater had been told forcibly that he couldn't go if you remember that story 
I remember Goldwater. one thing about Goldwater, and of course we're in Arizona, which was his home. Senator Goldwater, the late Senator Goldwater, was a real believer in UFOs. I don't know that he had that much influence after that, certainly after he was whipped during the 64 presidential election. You know, we're getting into politics here. And I really don't want to do that, except insofar as it it revolves around the UFO mystery. Sacred corridors. We can say that with an echo, maybe, Randall. <laughs> Irina Scott, I'm getting worse at this. Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in. The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. USA Radio News with Wendy King. More bad weather as a strong storm system is heading into the Carolinas and Virginia and could produce more tornadoes. The bad weather is blamed for at least five deaths already. Katrina Tate is flooded out in Virginia. Now, all of a sudden, water just started coming in the yard. I'd say about high up to your knees. A tree fell into a house in Woodville, Florida, killing an eight-year-old girl. 14 tornadoes touched down in Mississippi. Democrats are calling for the full release of the Russia probe report. The DOJ is pushing back on the subpoena that was sent on Friday by the House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler. The Democrats believe that Attorney General William Barr mischaracterized the findings of the Mueller report and that he redacted important information. They say they need to conduct their own investigation into obstruction and that would inform any decision on impeachment. This is USA Radio News. Tired of overpaying for the little blue pill? What if you could get the exact same results for just a fraction of the price, guaranteed? Well, now you can with sildenafil, the active ingredient in the blue pill. With 20 milligram generic sildenafil tablets, you get the exact same results for less than $2 per pill. And again, the results are guaranteed. That's right. Absolutely guaranteed results for a fraction of the cost of the little blue pill. So give your wallet a break and call us toll-free at 800-365-6017 to get your generic sildenafil delivered discreetly to your door. And of course, while saving hundreds of dollars, you'll also be saving time by saying goodbye to those long, embarrassing pharmacy lines once and for all. Again, just call 800-365-6017 and get your generic sildenafil with a 100% money-back guarantee. Getting your pills doesn't get any easier or cheaper than this, so call 800-365-6017 now. 
It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Again, of course, I'm really interested in, in these two instances here, but do you believe that either Wright-Patterson or any other government installation has wreckage from a crash UFO, Roswell or otherwise? Well. I mentioned Goldwater because he was, it was a famous story about him. He was a presidential candidate, and he had asked General LeMay if he could see the Blue Room in Wright-Patterson, and he had been um, admonished. And what was interesting was another person I did get to see uh, what's been identified as the Blue Room at Wright-Patterson. We were actually inside it, and it was, it's probably the most classified place at Wright-Patterson. When you were in there, though, I'm assuming there were no alien artifacts left. It was just like, you. No, this we, is long after the fact and whatever had been there before, if there had been alien artifacts in there, had been taken someplace else. Yeah, we did attend a meeting of U- about UFOs, though. Um, and so another person, I wrote it up together as co-authors, and so I can prove I was there. But what was interesting was it was really secured there were um machines all over the place that cameras and everything and so no i didn't see any i you know i didn't see any bodies or anything there's some evidence though that something was sent from roswell because when i was at roswell in the museum archives right after roswell there was a airplane that flew things from Roswell to Fort Worth and then to Wright-Patterson. And that's considered a story and a legend. But actually, there was a news broadcast uh, that was taking place from Roswell when that airplane was flying. And the announcer on air stopped and said that he had just called Wright-Patterson and the plane is on its way and about to land. And that's pretty hard evidence that uh, something was actually sent from Roswell to Wright-Patterson. Now, Wright-Patterson, that was, like you were saying, where Blue Book was mainly headquartered. And also, uh, that's where, if I 
if I'm recalling correctly, you might need to correct me here, but I believe that the Air Technical Intelligence Center was out of there and their main job was to reverse engineer stuff like foreign aircraft and downed aircraft that uh, they had maybe captured or, you know, in wartime or something like that to see how they worked. So it would make perfect sense that they would ship off any of the parts there if uh, there was debris at Roswell. And every, uh, every indication is that there was quite a bit of debris at Roswell. Yeah. And that was what was interesting about Mattel Memorial Institute, too, was is that it did part of the study of the Project Blue Book. And what was interesting was is that they were supposed to just do a statistical analysis of the information from Project Blue Book. But what they had, the people they hired to do it, were metallurgists. And Mattel was one of the top metallurgy uh, institutes, metallurgical institutes in the country. They had worked on the Manhattan Project and places, things like that. And so that was very interesting that there were stories that they also sent um, some debris when Mattel was doing this part of the Project Blue Book study. Dr. Heineck was working for Project Blue Book under Mattel and at Wright-Patterson. Well, when we're talking about Roswell here, one of the things that uh, your book uh, review states is that you uh, also talk about a possible new Roswell witness. So maybe you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that was in my first book. Yes, we had a video of a man that he was a deputy sheriff, and he and the sheriff were from Big Springs, Texas. And they were to go to Roswell to pick up a prisoner and bring him back. And on their way, this would have been in 1947 where, you know, there were just desert roads and things. But they heard on the police radio that there had been a crash. And so they found out where the crash was and went to see it. And the man said that um, there was a disc-shaped object. It was about 100 feet in diameter, and there were bodies, and the, these bodies were being picked up with a lift and put on a truck, and he said they were covered up, but he, the wind blew some of the covering away, and he thought they had brown skin and that they were small with big eyes, and then um, there were military people around, and they told him to leave, and so they left. And they went to pick up the prisoner and went back. But he put that on film. And at the time, they hadn't heard of Roswell or anything. And it, he thought maybe this was the Roswell crash. And so we put it in our book just to um, see if we could find out any more information about it. And we did. And we, for one thing, his son talked. We finally got in contact with his son. His son said his father had been talk had talked about it from the time when he was a kid, so he wasn't something he just made up or something. It happened a long time ago, and it might have happened around 1947. And so, they might have been a witness on a Roswell crash that was described a little bit different from the other descriptions. Yeah, that definitely would be different because 
any of the ones that you read about in the sort of the mainstream ufology work happened way off the main roads. Like you would have to, you, you know, there's no way that any, you could even see it from any, any sort of main road type of thing. So it, it's kind of curious that when the, you know, is that uh substantial, like a hundred foot disc would, would be found or seen or observed from a main road. Oh, this wasn't on a main road. It was off on some desert road that just the policemen knew about because they knew the area. It wasn't something that, it wasn't on a main road at all. Yeah, I think the, the uh, you know, the Brazel Ranch, where, I mean, there were no roads. He went out in, on horseback and they had to take Jeeps out there, that kind of thing. And even the second crash site, which was out on the plains of San Augustine somewhere, they, again, uh, the story there is that there, yeah, I think there were some archaeology students or a group that just happened to notice something off in the distance. And so they weren't even on any roads either. So, but I mean, it's an interesting story, nevertheless. Yeah, we just didn't know. We just put it in because we had the material and we wanted to find out more about it. And we did find out more about it, but we don't know that much. Except it happened about 1947. (laughs) A lot was going on in 1947. It was pretty busy for UFOs. I mean, that was really the, you know, a peak year in the whole history of ufology, really. And and definitely, the, I would say it demarcates the modern era. Everything before that was, you know, pre-modern and then 1947 hits. And although, say, you know, Jerome Clark's might say, well, it goes back to, the, you know, the mystery airships in the late 1800s. But 1947 is pretty much that you know, the real demarcation point for modern ufology. Well, we, um, yeah, I kind of wondered about if there was a cover-up before, even before Kenneth Arnold. And we did uncover something like that. We interviewed two sisters that were the um, daughters of a Reverend Holt. And he knew, he was a cousin of Cordell Hall, who was the Secretary of State We'll continue with some fascinating discussion. Sacred Corridors is the book by Irina Scott. We've got Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com.
First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hpextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hpextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. The United States of Empire is a book that claims the United States is the empire of the world. George Washington had warned us against foreign wars. The United States of Empire shows that World Wars I and II left England broken. Its former colony, the U.S., had to save the empire. Was there ever a vote? Who do we fight for? The deep state began with World War I. The United States of Empire by James Dunn. Available at Amazon Books. Homemakers, groceries by mail ships free. Try our amazing bacon. It stores in your pantry. No refrigeration required. Our value-added packaging provides a 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Always price less than grocery for your everyday use. Savory and delicious. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625 800-503-8625 fellow patriots my name is todd savage founder of black rifle real estate.com like you i was a prisoner of the outleft sanctuary state until one day i chose to leave my family to freedom today we live on a sustainable 20 acre homestead where we shoot hunt garden and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Irina, could you continue with that description? Yes. He was a cousin of Cordell Hall. 
Cordell Hall was the Secretary of State under Roosevelt. He was also asked by Roosevelt to run as um, vice president, and he decided not to, but he was very high up. And he had told his cousin, who was the father of these sisters, that he had shown his cousin these chambers under the Capitol building, these secret chambers. There was a, he showed him this thing that looked like a UFO craft and bodies that were preserved in formaldehyde. And he told his cousin that, and his cousin told his daughters, but he told them not to say anything about it until they were both dead for a long time. And so they reported it, and another person and I went and interviewed them, and that's what they said, and they thought this would have happened in around 1939. We were about the first people that interviewed them, and they made news later. So... Anyway, we thought possibly there was some information on UFOs before even Kenneth Arnold. That's just a story. But Cordell Hall was pretty high in the government. And, of course, it was totally classified, too. Well, that's pretty interesting. I had never actually heard that before. So thanks for sharing that with us. In your book, though, in addition to sort of some of these, you know, what might otherwise be called, say, you know, urban legends, or you also get into some what you call hidden studies, leaked information, um, and that sort of thing. Now, you've mentioned the Battelle Memorial Institute a number of times. They definitely were involved in doing a statistical study of unidentified flying objects. So maybe, uh, you know, what did you come up with in the way of actual documents and more um, sort of definitive evidence that what they were looking at were really not the usual aircraft, birds, planes, clouds, uh, lens flares and such? Yes, uh, Mattel did a study that was part of the Project Blue Book and this was called Project Blue Book Special Report Number 14, Analysis of Reports of Unidentified Flying Objects, which was a statistical analysis of data culled from about 13,000 collected reports from Blue Book. And um, most of what most people know about Blue Book is what was like shown on TV, the show Project Blue Book, where um, it showed Dr. Heineck going out and investigating and talking to people and that sort of thing. And that's what most people know. But what actually happened was that it um, a study that was set up as being top secret was done by Battelle. And that's of the data that they collected of the sightings and things. And um, they had they developed a questionnaire where they ask about certain particular things that a person could, um, discrete things that a person would be good at describing about UFOs, such as their color and brightness and how many they saw and how long they saw it and that sort of thing. I think probably the questionnaires they use today are probably modified from this questionnaire they developed. And this was so they could get real discrete good information from um, observers and also so that they could computerize the information. And so they um, gave these questionnaires to people that were reporting UFOs. And then um, 
collected the information and put it on um, oh, whatever you, they used then cards or whatever, so that they could do a computer study. And they did do a computer study and found out just the opposite of what um, they were expecting to find. What they were expecting to find was that um, that UFOs were um, that they would result from a lack of reliable information, and the witnesses may be bad, and they expected that um, um, they were really known but misidentified objects, as you said, but when they did the analysis, that's not what they found out. What they found out was just the opposite. Um, they took the most reliable study, which was about the most reliable reports, which are about 3,000. And they found that the most, the best reports of the unknown, the best reports contained a higher percentage of the unknowns than the least reliable category, which means that so far as the unknowns, they weren't just um, caused by unreliable information. They actually had good information when they um, had classified some of them as unknowns. And that was the opposite of what they would expect. Um, you know, let's move also, beyond that, but that's kind of old news, Project Blue Book Special Report 14. But I should point out, if you're curious, listeners, Google Project Blue Book Special Report 14. There are lots of destinations to read the entire report for yourself. Let's move on. Any case, I think the big thing we find here when we talk about all the things surrounding UFOs and all the strange conspiracies and all the weird stuff is if anything was even kept at Wright-Patterson, would it not have been moved out with private industry some other place? Why put it at the obvious location? I didn't understand your question. I think when we consider a place like Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, holding secret information, maybe something about Roswell, wouldn't it serve the authorities to put it somewhere where you wouldn't expect it to be? Because Wright-Patterson is just too obvious. Well, yeah, I imagine that um, if there was something was there, that they probably moved it possibly to Area 51 or something like that, or maybe someplace that nobody's ever heard of. Well, Gene, I think you're onto something there too, because and Irina, uh, don't, don't you say something in your book about that maybe there was a, a a private company that received some of the debris samples to analyze? Yes, I um, went into that, um, which was uh, I found out about a place. This man told me about this place called it's called shield alloy now and um he had his father worked there and um he told that way way back that 
um, it's called Shield Alloy, and they were an alloy company. Um, they're a big company, and his father worked for, it was called, um, I think it was called the Vanadium Corporation at that time. And um, his uncle also worked at a place called U.S. Steel. And um, he said that when he was a kid, that his father and his uncle talked about receiving samples. And this was, he said it looked like a show full of dirt. And they asked him to analyze it. And the people didn't analyze it at first because they wanted to know where it came from all the obvious questions like that. And so um, they finally said it might have been a meteor or something like a craft that landed at um, New Mexico. And they analyzed it and they thought it was something that was totally different from anything that was manufactured. we thought it was crystalline and I forget what they found the composition of it and they thought it was not, um, not made by people. Not made by people. This show is made by people. I mean, that might be debatable to some. (laughs) Dr. Irina Scott, we're having a good time here talking about lots of mysterious things going on. Strange Corridors is the book with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do 
all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, so we're talking about that evidence. Irina, please go on. He said it looked like a shovel full of piece, just the metal pieces and dirt, and that it was burned and carbonized, and it looked like burned cinders from an explosion and they initially thought it was a meteorite but it didn't have the right composition for a meteorite and so they asked what it was and they said it might have been from a crash he thought his father said it contained silicon magnesium cobalt chromium aluminum and steel nickel vanadium and titanium and that it had been manufactured and that it was crystalline, and that this wasn't something that back in 1947 was made by people. And so they thought that maybe samples had been farmed out from either Wright-Patterson or Mattel to get more analysis of the material. And that this was similar to the Roswell debris descriptions because a lot of the description of those were just a big gouge on the earth where it was like something had been burned or cinderized or things like that and that's most of the other samples have been said to be like memory metal or something and this was just a shovel full of dirt that contained metallic debris so it was a different story than you heard from other places now let's put move this direct is there a physical report that any of us can see analyzing this metallic material? No, because he was a kid and his father's long dead. And I think he's probably dead now, too. But he said that he just heard them talking about it. But at that time, nobody had ever heard of Roswell or anything. And that he and his, his father and his father's cousin talking about it. But that they didn't associate with anything because nobody had ever Roswell. I mean, like they heard of Roswell, they might think, oh, this is from Roswell. They okay, didn't. so it's a and secondhand so story. I want to analyze this, okay? It's a secondhand story about something this uh-huh. guy, who's no longer around, apparently heard as a uh-huh. kid, and how do we even assume it's accurately remembered? Well, you don't accurately have anything about Roswell that is totally verifiable. He He's was a PhD, the person that told me. He'd been a professor. He'd worked at John Hopkins. He, I think his degree was from um, University of California. And he was very reputable, and there wasn't really a reason why he'd lie about it. But that 
most everything else about Roswell's secondhand stories, too, I think. It's what makes it so frustrating, Roswell, to get a handle on it. I recommend to listeners to read a book called Roswell in the 21st Century by Kevin Randall, because, you know, he's been involved in Roswell research for several decades. And he went back to the case as a cold case, trying to verify some of the stuff. And he came up kind of with a blank on a lot of them. That something weird happened, can't be explained. What do you think? Do you think we got a spaceship in our hands then? I don't know. I was just looking for evidence, hoping that more would come up, because basically there isn't anything to actually confirm anything. And so that's what I was digging around and taking different stories and things like that. So I don't know. We've had some things happen to us at Wright-Patterson that sort of gives you the idea that <laughs> it's really secured. In my book, I talked about when I was at, my sister and I were young kids. My parents took us to Wright-Patterson to the Air Force Museum, and that, of course, is not secured or anything. And my father got lost, and we wound up sort of caged in by a bunch of buildings. And suddenly these military guys came out with uniforms and guns and five guys and they pointed their guns right to our windshields and told us to leave. And we obviously had been someplace <laughs> where we weren't supposed to be. Um, but I've also heard several other stories about the same thing happening to other people at Wright-Patterson. So that it's really secured. If you get in the wrong place, you know about it. But a lot of the reason it's secure is due to military secrets, such as um, the satellite photography and things like that, which are very secured, and other things like like aircraft development and things like that. So you don't know if UFOs have anything to do with it or not. Have you talked to any other people who have worked in similar positions uh, within the Department of Defense who've had similar experiences? Well, yeah. Um, well, Wright Patterson, um, it was sort of unbelievable that, you know, family like us with small kids that have guns pointed at us. But there was another article about Wright Patterson that just came out in the paper a few years ago, and I included that in my book, that um, there was a family of a grandmother and a mother and two kids that went to see the Air Force Museum just like we did. And military guys came out, pointed guns at them, and told them to get on their knees. Um, well, I could sort of not be too surprised at that, but I, what I what I was getting at more is uh, the kind of experiences you had where you were, say, in, in your position, you saw an actual photograph of something that looked like some kind of a metallic craft. You know, have you talked to other people that maybe were working in radar operator, you know, radar rooms or maybe flying aircraft or, you know, working within the government that had seen documents or other types of evidence. I've talked to Clark Clifford and he's told stories about, um, 
he worked for the government and he's told stories about um, seeing aliens and things like that. Um, and I've been at his home and his he has a room full of all kinds of government documents. But when I was talking to him, I forgot to ask him about the aliens. And so I didn't find out that much about what he had he'd written books about it and things, but I didn't specifically ask him about the aliens that he saw. Well, you know, it seems to me that the, the Department of Defense, the governments in general, are much better equipped than the average citizen to be able to investigate UFO sightings. They probably get more reports directly to them through their own channels than the civilians do. And and they, of course, have those sophisticated satellites and tracking technology and stuff. So it's kind of logical to assume that, well, they must know a lot more about them than we do. How much more do you think they know than, say, the general public does? Well, I'd say from my experience working for the DIA, they had really good uh, photography then. And now I imagine they would have videos from satellites that they can um, uh, position so that they can get any place on Earth they want to pretty fast. And so I imagine they've got good photography of uh, UFOs from above. Um, like ours were classified back then. And so I imagine they're very, very, very classified now. But I imagine they have uh, good photography of UFOs. So, you know, are, are we ever going to see it? What's your perspective on the whole disclosure movement? Before we have that answer, disclosure. What a concept. Dr. Irina Scott. Sacred Card is the book, and we're going deep and heavy into it. Lots of fascinating things to still cover. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. 
people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now, there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. I've probably noticed in the past five years that my eyes have gained a lot of fine lines, wrinkles, my crow's feet have gotten deeper. Wow. I was hoping for five years, but that's like what my eyes looked like ten years ago. That is really cool. Wrinkle gone? (laughs) It's easy. Just put it on your finger and go. Now I wish I had more down here because I can still see one wrinkle it's bugging me. I am a little bit emotional. I turning 40 I didn't think would be a big deal to me, but that looks like the me that I feel like inside instead of what um, what I see when I look in the mirror. Try instantly ageless today at gcnlife.com. That's gcnlife.com. 30-day money back guarantee and preferred price discount at gcnlife.com. That's gcnlife.com. Join me, George Norrie, in Indian Wells, California, May 31st to June 3rd for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, an epic weekend of exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, and UFO sightings. More than 100 lectures, panels, workshops, and events with leading experts like Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, Linda Moulton Howe, Eric Von Doniken, Doc Wallach, and so many more. Get your tickets today at contactinthedesert.com. It's time to make contact, contactinthedesert.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Randall, you asked the question there about disclosure. Irina? What I think is that I think the government would have better photography and things like that of UFOs. But if you disclose something like UFOs, you disclose what you know. But there's another party involved, and that's the UFOs. And like if you just said, well, I can prove UFOs exist and everything. Well, if the UFOs don't disclose themselves also, it would be hard to disclose anything that people would believe in that you could actually prove. I mean, like with the moon landing, people are saying, oh, no, that's fake. Well, if you disclose something like that, UFOs, well, lots of people say it's fake. You're not, it's not real. I was thinking one time that if, and this is back in the days of President Obama, 
if he brought E.T. on stage, they think it's a fake. If Donald Trump brought E.T. on stage, a lot of people would think it's a fake. And so the question here, obviously, it's up to those who are responsible for UFOs to give us a clue as what's really going on. But it's not as if they want to be hidden, is it? No, but they haven't done anything formal, such as landing on the White House lawn or anything, to prove that they exist. They're just, they make little displays and things, but they don't do something that proves to the world that they exist. And so if the government disclosed something, if there wasn't any help from the UFOs proving that they exist, well, it wouldn't be believed by a lot of people. So I don't, it seems like disclosure would be kind of complicated unless the UFOs did something to, <laughs> unless they were cooperating with the disclosure. After all these years, though, I'll say this, because we've talked about disclosure since the 1950s, and I was here. I am doubting there will ever be disclosure, because if there was going to be something like that, if ET wanted to reveal itself to us, they would have done it a long time ago. Why wait? Well, that's what I think. I think it depends on them instead of on us, because I think it'd be very, very difficult to take even really good photography or something and prove it. And with analysis of metal and stuff, well, I don't think they've got anything that you can actually prove that it's from not totally not from Earth and that sort of thing. Just like I'm well, just like, because it's made out of metal doesn't mean it's made, you know, part of an alien spacecraft. Yeah. You'd have to get something that's quite a bit different. For example, in meteorite, they've looked at the composition and some of them have a lot more argon than Earth has. And they classify these as probable meteorites from Mars. And you'd have to get something that you could analyze in detail and say this is a whole lot different from what you'd find on Earth to show that. And I don't think it's been shown yet. But then you got guys like this Luis Elizondo who sort of managed to get this video out of the, the DIA in the guise of a training video, I think is how he managed to do it. And uh, it shows some kind of an object in, in flare, which is, you know, they're looking at it in an alternative wavelength that they're actually tracking with an aircraft. And then you've got the testimony of pilots like David Fravor. It, it seems pretty unimpeachable that what they've got there is some pretty solid evidence that whatever that thing was, it wasn't made by us. It was behaving in a way that we simply just don't know how to build that kind of technology. So, I mean, there we have an, uh, you know, an object that has come into and played cat and mouse with jets and aircraft carriers for actually a number of days, I guess, according if you get into reading the whole story. Yeah, and, you know, it's also criticized by the debunkers that this malfunctions of the aircraft. Apparently, they said it was a, like 60 feet diameter object that reached this really high velocity of around over 20,000 miles per hour with this tremendous G-force when, when they filmed it going down. And then they found it. And then they saw something on the ocean. I, I kind of wondered from my own photography of thinking that maybe there were laser lights on 
objects that maybe they could make images that do that too. And so I wondered about when they have sightings like that, could some of them be images and not real objects? But that's a really interesting theory. And when you really think about it, it's, it's almost impossible not to theorize that what we're dealing with isn't necessarily a nuts and bolts solid object because they move at such incredible speeds so quickly as if they were immune to the forces of inertia and so on. And like you're suggesting there, some sort of a hologram or laser type artifact would certainly be able to to mimic that kind of movement. And these days, of course, we we can make things look like they're there in three-dimensional holograms. So it's possible. But what was doing it then? I mean, nobody, I mean, they didn't know as far as we know that they were picking it up on radar. I'm not sure you can pick up a, a, a hologram on radar. Well, they have volumetric displays, which are better than holograms. But I was looking that up, and apparently radar can detect uh, laser beams, but not real well. And so I couldn't find whether it can detect a hologram or not. So I haven't been able to find information on that all. I've been looking. I mean, not that that would be the ex- explanation for everything, but I'm just saying that might be an explanation for some of those things. Yeah, maybe today, but then what about back in the 40s and 50s, even the early 60s, it, it'd be pretty tough. Although they did start to experiment with particle weaponry, you know, back around, what was it, the 80s, Gene? What, when was the whole Star Wars thing happening? That was the 80s, wasn't it? Early 80s? That's when Ronald Reagan came up with that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But if it came from an ET source, they would be way advanced over us. Yeah, I mean, and they could, and this is this is a well, okay, this is a pet theory, and that is that they do have, and we're talking about the alien craft, they do have some sort of active camouflage that can make them appear to be pretty much whatever they want them to appear as. Yeah, like there's stories about maybe there'll be orbs that are flying around, and they'll change shape, and there'll be something else, or they'll look humanoid from being an orb or sometimes you'll see orbs you'll be reports of little orbs flying around then they combine with each other and make a humanoid form and things like that which is pretty strange yeah it is really almost no other way to explain it than as some sort of an illusion you know then you have to ask the question well what's creating the illusion and that is pretty amazing in and of itself yeah, I was just trying to explore that because I think an example of invisible radiation from a possible UFO. And so I was just examining what I could find on that sort of thing and speculating. Let's speculate further in our final two segments. Irina, Jean, and Randall, you're in The Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Police in Northern Ireland have arrested two suspects in connection with the fatal shooting of a journalist during rioting Thursday night in Londonderry. The BBC's Jenny Kumar. Lyra McKee was a journalist. She was singled out as an under 30 talent to watch, uh, but she was shot on Thursday as she was observing riots uh, in the Cregan estate in Londonderry. Police have been appealing for information. They've been asking people who have uh, mobile phone footage to get in touch. And uh, earlier, they released CCTV footage. Police suspect the new IRA dissident group calling it a terrorist act. House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler has issued a subpoena for the Attorney General to release the full, unredacted report from Special Counsel Robert Mueller. This is USA Radio News. There's no question you need omega-3s. But which form should you take? Fish oil or krill oil? Scientists have debated this for years. Luckily, there's a new solution to satisfy everyone. It's called Krill Omega 50 Plus. It combines ultra-pure fish oil and joint-soothing krill oil together in just one tiny pill. It's so powerful, it can promote the health of your heart and your arteries. And if that wasn't enough, it can also boost your joint comfort in just days. We're so sure Krill Omega Omega 50 Plus will work for you. We'll even send you a free bottle to put to the test. The debate is over. It's not fish oil or krill oil. It's both. And now it's free. Just pay $4.95 for shipping and claim your free bottle. Call now. 1-800-399-6392. 1-800-399-6392. That's 1-800-399-6392. Pain in my neck, back, and shoulders has really gotten worse. Relief for body pain is here with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Well, the last thing I want is to take another pill, so what's so good about Sunny Bay Heating Pads? Sunny Bay Heating Pads, made by Biomed DB Design right here in the USA, come in all sizes. Our extra-large microwavable heating pad for back pain is designed to be large enough to cover your entire back. It's also perfect to wrap around your legs, knees, or shoulder and neck. But I need to know they're good quality. Of course, Sunny Bay 
holiday heating pads and pillows are often an Amazon choice. And it's easy and most affordable when you purchase your Sunny Bay heating pads right from our website, sunshinepillows.com. Or call us, 253-678-1361. Hey, a Sunny Bay heating pad would make a great gift, right? Yes, and they start at just $19.99 and free shipping is available. So call 253-678-1361 or shop for your Sunny Bay heating pad at sunshinepillows.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Forgetting speculation for a moment here, is this ever going to be solved? Irina? Uh, We need to advance way, way past where we are, or they need to show themselves um, that confirms their existence, and they may be way above us. and so that they don't they don't influence us very much but just the tiniest little bit well what they do you think does, like star wars oh right yeah or star trek they you know can't interfere yeah, with the pre, pre-warp civilization that sort of thing yeah. but then again they are interfering right if they're so advanced they could certainly go about their business without us knowing they're here so, you know, uh-huh. why do they play cat and mouse with jet interceptors? Why do they put on light shows like they did for, for yourself? And we've had countless other similar types of sightings where these craft, they appear to be craft. They appear to be metallic in shape, often disc-shaped or spherical are the most common. I mean, to, to people who are in the know, like yourself, myself, to the serious ufologists out there who have done their homework, we don't need to be convinced that they're for real. We know they're for real. We just don't know where they're from or necessarily why they're here. So maybe that's what we need to really focus on. Like, what is all this sort of strange, sort of uh, almost psychological cat, you know, games that they play with people all about? Well, that's why they're mysterious. And it may be that they just, want to influence us a little bit uh the universe is a lot older than earth and there may have been life forms starting the universe way way back before earth even existed and we may be an experiment or we may be you know primitive life form that they study in certain ways and things like that and maybe they're watching our advancement or something because as big as the universe is with all the planets and everything, well, there's probably other life. <laughs> there's a probability. And it's strange that we don't see it. In saying that, it's, do you think then that there were ancient astronauts, as some people say? Well, right now we're under the paradigm of space flight. And if we see a, a sphere or something floating around, we think, oh, it's a UFO, it may be a spaceship. But if you saw that hundreds of years ago, nobody would have ever heard of UFOs or something. They might interpret it as something religious or something like that. And the way you would interpret the same thing would depend on your culture. So that people, you know, probably been seeing things like that all through history, but they don't describe it the same way. Then what follows is if UFOs appear to people 
in terms of their culture, they're interpreted that way. How do we know that we're seeing it the right way? Maybe we're a little well, too egotistical about what we know. Yeah. And we're expecting um, just somebody to come down from outer space and introduce themselves to our president or something like they're going to acknowledge our social hierarchy. And if like a person at working at, you know, Janet or McDonald sees a UFO and talks to a humanoid, but the president of the United States doesn't, well, then that's not accepted because it's not in our ideas of our hierarchy. And maybe UFOs don't care anything about our little social hierarchies and that sort of thing. Yeah, those are all really good points. But of course, then there is, you know, sort of speaking to your point there, then, Gene, though, is that I think there's still an arrow of progress, so to speak. So say, you know, several thousand years ago, the people's interpretations of the world were governed a lot more by superstition than they were by critical thinking. Nowadays, we're governed a lot more by critical thinking and science. And that arrow tends to be closer to the truth, the way things really are in the world, as opposed to what we want them to believe or you know, want them to be or believe they are based on myth and superstition. So it seems more reasonable to think, well, yes, they are some sort of technology than, say, demons from hell or transports from hell, that sort of thing. Yeah, you don't really know, though, because um, now we think of ourselves as being logic and the universe as being deterministic and like clockwork and stuff like that. But it really isn't, according to the latest quantum theory. With the quantum theory, things are reality is fuzzy until you bring some part of it into existence by recognizing it. And it's not as clear as it used to be where you could think, well, the universe works like clockwork and this logical thing has the outcome of this logical thing and that sort of thing, because it may not be. Um, for example, they are always saying, well, the stars are so far away that it takes all this time to go from one place to another. Well, they have the um, entangled particle data that suggests that all the way across the universe, that one particle that is entangled with another one knows what the other one is doing, even though it's on the other side of the universe, which would cause one to think that our logical ideas of space and time may not be exactly right. Well, now, now we're getting into some pretty deep stuff. I mean, of course, we're talking about on the quantum level as opposed to on the macro level. And on the macro level, you know, common sense and science and rules tend do tend to play a big part. But still, that point is still well taken. And it speaks to a whole kind of another subject. And that's the nature of re- reality itself. You know, what is existence? What is reality in terms of an objective being of things out there beyond ourselves? And so there's the theory now that they're taking pretty seriously that maybe our universe as we know it is some sort of a grand simulation of some type. And of course, that could explain how two particles uh, separated by light years could still communicate instantly because from the point of 
view of, say, the operating system, there is no distance. It can send the information back and forth between those particles instantly and without any problem, at least from, from our perspective. So, I mean, maybe that's where UFOs come from. Maybe they come from outside this particular universe altogether. That's my, my favorite theory personally, but I mean, I, I guess, you know, we still really don't know. And stars, you know, the nearest stars seem to be still kind of the most logical. But yeah, I think you make a good point, Irina. It's, uh, it's a strange thing. And maybe they do come from somewhere else altogether, completely different. Yeah, maybe we're just very, very primitive, and our brains are wired up in this primitive way where we're just aware of material things, but we're not as aware of the quantum relationships behind everything that causes reality. And so we may, um, little bits of reality may be coming through, but we may not have our brains wired up in a good way to understand it. Maybe we need to study quantum theory more than we need to um, study, you know, pictures and things like that. Maybe it would be more advanced if we did more study of physics and quantum theory. And of course, we're moving along in that direction. So, I, you know, I think we're asking the right sorts of questions now, as opposed to, say, maybe a few thousand years ago. You know, again, you know, it's it's uh, you know a manifestation of of the god Thor or something like that. It's it, we're looking at ways that maybe this phenomena can make sense in a logical, philosophical, critical thinking, scientific perspective, and then looking for evidence of that as best we can. We've got more to come. One more segment with Irina. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Go to GCNteam.com or call 855-GCN-MALL. That's 855-426-6255. GCNteam.com or 855-426-6255. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. Pointing out here that maybe we're not hardwired to see what UFOs are. Of course, that explains the scene in Contact, the movie, where Jodie Foster meets what may be E.T., although it's a little bit ambiguous, but E.T. appears in the form of her late father because it tells her she could not accept its true appearance. Mm-hmm. Point being here yeah. is that we may be seeing UFOs in a form that either it's the best we can do or they are doing it deliberately so as not to display what they really are. Stay on the fringe, keep us asking questions, maybe. <laughs> we keep on wondering what's going on. Well, just um, 
as we're getting towards the end of the the show now, uh, we don't want to miss out on anything from your book uh, that uh, you say really want to get across. So if you've got some real main points about your book that you'd like to get across, or you've got some talks coming up, anything like that, please, uh, you know, let's get them out there. My three books are Sacred Corridors. The next last one is Inside the Lightning Bowl. And that's in detail about the experiences my sister and I had, and also the experiences other scientists have had with UFOs. And they always say that scientists don't see UFOs or astronomers don't see UFOs and that sort of thing. They say, you know, scientists are logical, so they don't see UFOs. Well, lots of scientists do see UFOs, and a lot of scientists have done really good studies of UFOs. And I put that in the book, too. And then my other one is UFOs Today about the cover-up and a lot of sightings. And these can be found on Amazon.com. And I also have a website, which is just Irina Scott. If you put that in, my website will pop up and it'll list my books. And all you have to do is click on a book and it goes right to Amazon.com where you can order it. I guess my main thing is is that <laughs> I don't really know anything about UFOs. And so I can't say too much, except I think that possibly some of the activity is maybe images although I don't know why they're giving us images. But I think also there's something psychological going on with people and UFOs that also is hard to explain. Well, if it's psychological, and, and I, I, by the way, I completely agree with you. Um, and I think maybe ufologists are looking too much at the nuts and bolts aspect of it for answers, and maybe not close enough at the psychology, because if what they're doing is psychological in nature, then something like the psychological sciences, so to speak, might be able to help us determine exactly what it is that they're doing. In other words, you know, when they set up a psychological experiment, there's usually a reason for it. Something happens, something is determined. Well, maybe we could work backwards and deconstruct their behavior to create some sort of a a map of what they're doing to find out about our psychology or how it is that maybe we relate to the universe compared to them, something along those lines. Yeah, because I had gone into detail about the work of a scientist named Harley Rutledge. He was the head of the Department of physics at the University of Missouri, one of the universities in Missouri, and he did an intense study of UFOs during the flap during 1973, and his book was called Project Identification, but it's really good because he set up stations with scientific observers and equipment so that they could study UFOs in real time, and they would say that not only do these seem to be act like material objects, but that they would respond to people. And for example, if people signaled some way, well, they might signal back and that sort of thing. And that they seem to know the intentions of people and a UFO might act like it's flying along and then it'd come to observing station that would go around it and then go on. Or they might cause themselves not to be photographed and 
affect the camera some way or something so that it can't be photographed. And that there was a lot of psychological interaction with the UFOs and people. And this was done in a scientific way, though, in a scientific study where they had observing stations and a lot of equipment, camera equipment, and, um, telescopes and all kinds of things. Fascinating. And he said a lot of it might be subliminal so that there's some interaction between pe- people's minds and the UFOs, but it's not conscious with the people. And he, I think he, um, that could be examined in a lot more detail. For example, the questionnaires they usually use just ask, you know, do you see a UFO? What color is it? What size does it look like? And that sort of thing. Well, maybe they should go back and ask people that have had repeat sightings, when was the first time you saw a UFO? What did it look like? When did you see the second one? What was this like? And so on. And get a real good longitudinal study of people that have had repeated sightings and see if they're different from people that um, don't see anything or that, I mean, do a statistical study. Compare them to people that say they've never seen a UFO or people that just had one sighting. You might find something statistically different between people that have repeat sightings. I like it. Yeah. What do you think of that, Gene? Well, this is something I've been urging on to MUFON. I talked to Jan Harzan on this show and asked him about it. Why just emphasizing the object as if it's an external event? Okay, we see the object. Let's describe everything about it possibly have more questions about the person, but not just a history of UFOs. What about seeing ghosts, Bigfoot, anything weird, anything out of the ordinary? We've got to know their history because we're not just investigating some external phenomenon. We may also have to investigate the witness. Yeah, that's what I think. That hasn't been investigated much, and that's a component that needs to be investigated quite a bit more. It's something that I'm not really expecting it to happen at any time in the near future, only because it hasn't been done already. This is something that maybe we should have done from day one, but what the heck, it's not happening. What are we going to do about it? I don't know. We're just about out of time. So I'd like to ask you, Irina, just one more time, for listeners who want to find out more about what you do, more about how to get the book, where do they go? Go to Amazon.com. and. Sacred Corridors, UFOs Today, and Inside the Lightning Ball. And you can find them very easily on the internet. Just put in my name, Irina Scott, and my website will pop up and it shows the books the first thing. And all you do is click on them and it'll go directly to Amazon.com where you can order them. And get a load of this. Irina Scott will return on After the Paracast this week. That show available only to subscribers to the Paracast Plus. We'll talk about Paracast Plus in just a moment. We'll also be featuring William Puckett in a special new UFO-related segment. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. Look for the official Paracast fan clubs, plural, on Facebook. Check out our new store, our new online store for the Paracast. We totally revised it. It looks great on mobile phones. looks great on your personal computer. Lots of interesting new merchandise. You know, fancy T-shirts and stuff like that for men, women, etc. We're also going to have 
a lot more merchandise, specially branded Paracast merchandise, go to theparacast.store, theparacast.store to learn more. Also, we'd like you to become a member of the Paracast Plus. We offer this show for the network ads. We also offer the After the Paracast podcast, which sometimes just continues the discussions we start here with our guests. Other times, it's something altogether different. We may be adding some new features. Randall and I are talking about new features that may be added in the near future to After the Paracast. But the only way for you to hear that show is for you to become a member of the Paracast Plus. Once again, that's plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com, and prices start just $1.49 a week. Irina Scott, thank you for coming back on the show. We look forward to having you back in the future. Well, thank you very much. I was honored to be here. I'm very glad to talk to you and find out your information, too, and ideas. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.